2: So uh, this is Coach Taylor uh, with Coach Taylor Scouting Podcast. Uh, Welcome uh, to the uh, LeVar Arrington's Up On Game Network. You can find us on Up On Game Presents on YouTube or anywhere you find your podcasts like iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. Look for Taylor Scouting on the Up On Game Network. And uh, fired up to be here and be a part of this organization and and I'm really lucky to have a guy that I've known forever and and love and and my wife is the best judge of character and she loves him so Kiki is right there with me. I'm here today with Eric Rouse. Eric's a high school football coach at Mandeville High School in Louisiana just north of New Orleans. He is a uh, in DBs right? Yes. And he's a a career coach, which we're going to talk about, because that really uh, intrigues me uh, for the St. Tammany parish public schools. That is a mouthful uh, for a guy from uh, LaSalle, Illinois. And and so Eric and I played together at Illinois and we've kept in touch. So E, give us your path to Illinois and now to Mandeville, Louisiana. Well, um, in
3: 1974, I was a high school, all-state all-American football player from Chicago Mendel High School. And was recruited by our dear friend uh, Dave Adolph. And uh, joined the class of 75 at Illinois. And as you're saying, we graduated together in 79. Uh, from there, I had a career with um, St. Louis Cardinals, Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears. Uh, I coached football, high school football in East St. Louis. At my old alma mater, Mendel High School, Uh, I was a pseudo graduate assistant under Mike White. I did some things, helped him recruit, uh, coached at Southeast Missouri State University, and then transitioned into the business world with Eli Lilly and Company, and uh, retired in 2016 as an account manager, managing all of our business in Arizona, New Mexico, and Nevada, and I have a master's in psychological counseling, and never used it. And a year ago, I decided, you know what, there was a job available at St. Tammany Parish Schools and they needed a career coach. And, you know, as life goes, it's the first time I've actually used one of my degrees. And I enjoy coaching uh, as a career coach. I coach at the high school. I coach at Scottsdale Horizon High School. So I've always been involved in coaching. Um, My main thing is Helping young kids develop, and I think, you know, sometimes we don't always have enough of that. And Randy, you and I are old school, and you know, I, I still think the old school way works. I think when you tell it straight to a lot of these kids, they listen. And um, right now, I'm working as a mentor uh, at a technical school for kids transitioning into the technical school over the summer, and a lot of them are deficient in academic areas and so forth, but we're getting them there. We're getting them to realize there's a lot of opportunities. Guys like you and me are retiring. There's tons of opportunity for these people.
2: Hey, what, what that kind of leads me right into to the overview of the types of advice and suggestions, leadership skills. We talked about confidence, building confidence, all those kinds of, of ways of guiding young student athletes. Uh, I call them kids. So give us a little bit of overview of how you direct those kids to to achieve at the next level.
3: Well, one of the things I do, I remember the, the lessons I learned from my parents and the men in my neighborhood. And I finished today's lesson with be present, be on time. There's a world of opportunity out there. And the other one is make relationships find mentors don't be afraid to talk don't be afraid to ask questions learn you know i tell them now technology is their friend we didn't have that we had to read books and now there's so many tools at their disposal research it if you don't understand it research it but the other one is don't be afraid to ask a question do not be afraid of adults they have experience that can lead you in a lot of positive directions.
2: What what kind of issues do you see with these young kids?
3: Well, one of the things, and we had a long discussion, uh, and I don't want to get too philosophical on it, so these are my beliefs. Let's quote my beliefs. I think our generation saw how much our parents struggled. We're all baby boomers and we advanced in many ways that some of them didn't, but we watched their hard work ethic. I think we made it so easy, look so easy and gracefully that the generation that we raised have taken that hard work sometimes for granted. They work hard, but it's a different way they work and the way they react and respond to mentorship, coaching and so forth. And they think it looks easy. They think what you do, Randy, is so seamless. They think what I've done and others is seamless. And it's not that. It's a lot of hard work and so forth. And it's a lot of self-start. I think that's one of the things that I find missing in some is the self-start part. I know we have this conversation all the time. If we as coaches weren't at the summer program at 7 a.m., how many of these kids would show up? How many of them would do the work that you did and I did without a coach present? You know, and so I think self-start is one. Find good mentors. Find positive mentors. Look for positive role models. Don't go for the negative. And there's so many negative attractions out there through social media and things like that that really, you know, are tough to battle. But I think discipline, finding the right mentors is key. And, and being open and honest. You know, try not to be somebody you aren't.
2: Right, the, the, these kids sit at a keyboard a long time, every day. Yes. How do you, Is there a way to get them away from that? What, what, how do you talk to these kids about being in the world and not watching the world?
3: Well, yesterday we had a Come to Jesus meeting in my room and I told him, I said, when people are speaking, your phone shouldn't be here, it should be in your pocket, okay? Learn to just discipline yourself to put the phone, it's a tool for communication. It's not a crutch. So don't allow this to be a crutch for you. Use it as a tool and use it respectfully and use it responsibly. Uh, You know, know, I was on the Big Ten Advisory Commission and that was a big thing in the late 2000s. What will the coaches, how will the ADs address? the advance of social media with their players. And it's led up to a lot of things. And you see a lot of players get themselves in trouble. It takes a lot of coaching. It takes a lot of discipline. I don't know if I have the right answer. I don't know if anyone has the right answer because everybody likes to be seen.
4: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is safe. It's a place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For example, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who experience major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule.
1: Visit paramountplus.com slash the shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
2: Is there, do you find one thing more effective? I know, how can you judge the process or or the progress you're making as you're working with these young kids at, at this young age?
3: I would get discouraged. Well, I measure the progress by the little steps that they take. Um, I'm working with the kid right now who was a junior college football player in the junior college system in Mississippi. Outstanding high school football player. Got injured. Now he's in our system. He's working with the group that I work with, um, Tri-Parish Works, which covers three parishes in uh, Louisiana. And it's start to believe in yourself, you know? And so don't live for the expectations you see on social media, live within yourself. And I think what happens is a lot of these kids see a lot of these images and they're not necessarily the reality and they wanna live that reality. And I try to say, can you live within yourself? And with this guy, I'm seeing him starting to do that. Uh, He's gone out and followed some steps or some career things. Uh, he's gotten some licensure, licensure, uh, some certificates where now he can be gainfully employed. But one of the things he started doing was, you know what, Mr. Ross, maybe I don't need to look at it so much, you know, look at the real role models. You know, everybody's not a superstar. And I think everybody's looking for that quick fix superstar. And it's not there on social media. Be yourself, live within yourself in the same lessons your parents and my parents have, live within your means, even on social media.
2: Yeah, the, the uh we're all not Patrick Mahomes or or uh, some of these great athletes who who it seems to come easy to. Uh, how do you? Is there a difference between coaching and counseling the athlete and the non-student athlete? I mean, how much of a difference is it? How do you get to these kids?
3: Well, I think I I learned a valuable lesson at Semo. I was also assistant dean of students there. And I had a conversation with the dean and the student athlete generally has more support around them. So if you even if you look at NCAA graduation rates, the athletes have caught up with the general student body and in many cases surpassed because they have more mentorship. So I try to spend more time with the non-athlete because they may not have that same support. They may not have that person that's going to reach out and shake their hand, look them in the eye and say, you need to be on time. This is the way you dress. Whereas the athletes, they have that 24-7. When they walk in the building, there's a coach, there's a trainer, there's an assistant trainer, there's an equipment man. There's always someone telling them, these are the things you do, whereas the other students, They don't have that, So I try to be there even more present for them than the athletes, because I know the athletes are going to get that in their ear, whereas the average student, they leave home and they're on their own. And so I look for those kids that I can help, that you can see in their behavior, that you can see in their mannerisms, in the way they walk, the way they speak, how they can help. And you'd be surprised how many of them are just looking for someone to say hello to them.
2: Yeah, the the uh, the it, there's so much work to be done, and and uh, I think we're all shaking our heads, wondering how we can help, and and we can't fix it, but we can be a part of the solution. Uh, you had mentioned about the big 10 advisory committee, uh, and that was back in the day when you were a part of it. Uh, and I, I know you've already said you and I are old, so I, I can't hurt us that way. <laughs> what, what go back to kind of the origin of that organization and the big 10 has kind of been a leader. Wouldn't you say in, in some of this, uh, social and, and uh, other, Athletic issues that have come about?
3: Yes. Yeah, so the Big Ten Advisory Commission was formed in a response to an incident, and you probably remember it uh, in 1972. The University of Minnesota played Ohio State in basketball. And there was a big brawl at the near the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Wayne Duke was commissioner. But the following game was at Michigan State, Ohio State. Michigan State, they boycotted. Because the suspensions they felt were unevenly, unevenly handed out. In fact, the Minnesota players were all suspended. And of course, that almost caught that may have cost them an NCA championship. But they got together and said, what can we address to further advance their advancement on campus, socially, academically, and so forth. And so they put this commission together with and what happens is the people that are on the committee are selected by their ADs. So the committee started in 72 and they started with certain steps and things that they felt should be done to enhance the experience of the African-American athlete, the black athlete on campus. Uh, So much so that Jim Delaney even made a statement right before I resigned my role in 2015, any advancement we can make for the minority student athlete, the black student athlete on campus will help every athlete on campus. And so some of the things they set out to do was the fifth year scholarship that comes from the Big Ten. If you're progressing towards a degree, even as far back as 72 in the Big Ten, you could go pursue your degree paid for. Um, We're talking about different advancements in medical technology, sickle cell testing. There's a whole multitude of different things that they instituted, behavioral health testing. Uh, how to interact, what will the ADs do interacting with the student athletes on campus, with campus police disciplinary issues. So, again, the students get this, the athletes get this mentorship. The average, average day student athlete doesn't. But the Big Ten has been at the forefront of that. And, you know, you can go back to 72, the accomplishments, you can go on the Big Ten web and people that are care to know and want to know. All that information is out there. But I think the Big Ten has been on the forefront of it. And, you know, when you talk about diversity on campus, the most diverse group of people on campus are the athletes. They come from multitudes of cities, different geographic backgrounds, race, color, language, everything. The the whole, it's a a melting pot. And so we learn a lot of lessons from each other in the locker room. Right, Randy? Yeah, I I grew up in a a little town, and I think the first
2: uh, a black guy I met was was probably uh, a Ricky Mitchum you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> an, an old an old Alana who I, I love and still am in contact with but um, yeah it really is that melting pot and there are not the same problems I think because you're in that locker room all the time there's still things but but you're in that locker room together and, and on that field together and so it's a it is such a unique thing. And if every student athlete could be involved in something, doesn't have to be sports, could be, you know, future farmers, or you know what I mean, right. Any, anything to be in a group to have that support system. Uh, what, is the Big Ten still doing that and still leading in the social and athletic health of its athletes?
3: Yes, the Advisory Commission is still in existence. Uh, the group that I was with, I think with an exception of one has now changed hands. We could only serve up to three, uh, four year terms and uh, mine was advanced. And then Josh Whitman came in as AD and I said, no, Josh, let's start over with someone new. And there's a lot of things they came up with and there are things that I think the student athlete needs to ask of the athletic departments. So as we know, we mentioned that graduation rates are higher, uh, probably because the students are on campus all the time. But one of the things that I would ask an athlete always to ask if I'm going to be on campus all the time, and many of them, as you know, graduate early, can I parlate that early graduation to an internship that allows me credits towards an advanced degree? You know, and that, would, that was one of the last things we talked about was we have these kids, we have tons of graduates here. There's tons, you can turn on TV, there's tons of graduates playing basketball, football, swimming, gymnastics, graduate students, as opposed to being in grad school, maybe they could be doing an internship. So if you're in Minneapolis, you've got credential there, right? You know, if you're in Michigan, you can go to Ann Arbor. If you're in UCLA, USC, there's multitudes of job opportunities you can do as opposed to spending that classroom. So those are some of the things that we were starting to work on in advance. How far we've gotten, I'm not sure, uh, but I think that's the next step. What do we do now that we're educating them? Let's get them into job, real job.
1: visit paramountplus.com slash the shy to get a 50% discount off the paramount plus with showtime annual plan offer ends july 14th subscription auto renews restrictions apply
5: tired of restless nights meet lisa the sleep (sighs) expert. here at lisa we know that good sleep is essential for mental physical and emotional health that's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support catering to every sleep need Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running, sleep hot, Collect goods. That's leesa.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
2: As a side note, and, and as you mentioned, USC, UCLA, and, and knowing now that they're coming in the Big Ten, it seems to me like those internships are, are now growing from one coast to the other for, for the conference. And, and not to be a, a cheerleader for the Big Ten, but it is kind of a. a unique organization that goes from, you know, Rutgers and and Penn State and and everybody all the way to UCLA and USC now. And so those internships that you're talking about, if if you're a student athlete, uh, that seems like a golden opportunity to go do something uh, at one of those in that huge uh, uh, map of
3: the Big Ten. Right. Yeah. And get college credit for it. So yeah. You know, instead of getting an advanced degree in something you may not use, get work experience and get credit for it. So, you know, I think that's something that athletic departments can look at. Uh, I thought about that USC, UCLA thing, Randy, and I'm thinking, remember, we played at Stanford. I don't necessarily remember how I felt when I got off the plane, but that's a long plane ride. (laughs) <laughs> and, it's, and, <laughs> and it's hard. It's going to actually be harder, I think, for USC and UCLA because they're going to be traveling east. They're going to be losing yeah. time. So if they have yeah. to do one of those day games because of the networks, boy, I don't know. I don't know how to manage that. Hey, I
2: just remember going out there and having seafood gumbo. And that's like, right. you know, <laughs> well, you know, where's the tomato soup? You know what I mean? Right. Oh. And, and so <laughs> that was one of the things I'll never forget. And just the beauty of of Stanford's campus and and all of that stuff was pretty cool. But great experiences being in athletics. Hey, you're coaching now uh, at Mandeville High School, right? And and so you've got these kids that you're coaching and loving and and teaching and and all of that. How do you see what do you see as their biggest need to make it into college? Not just these kids, but kids in general and use them as, as example?
3: Well, I think some of the things that you're doing, and I've shared your video on huddle, you know, more accurately and professionally perfect your huddle tape. Um, I don't know if coaches get out there as much as you did and I did when we recruited, where we were there watching film right there in the offices and saying, breaking down the film with the coaches. I think that's gone. But I think, you know, having them prepare that. And the other one is, again, prepare your professional appearance. Um, I teach them, you know, how do you greet a coach when he comes in? Give him a firm handshake. Look him in the eye, you know, uh, and, and really have that professional appearance. And the other one is you have to work your tail off because nowadays everybody's working. Everybody's really working hard. So you have to work twice as hard. That's what I tell my guys. You know, let's work twice as hard. Let's get better. Let's be good teammates. And that's the, I think the hardest thing with some of these guys is being good teammates. It's, okay, I'm I'm the star on my team. But you know what? I got kids that can't play so well. Uplift him because at the end of the day, you're on the field together. We don't laugh because a guy can't catch the ball. You know, we help them. next play. You're going to catch it. Look it in your eyes, tuck it away. And so those are some of the things I'm working on with my guys, just simple things, just being a good citizen, being a good teammate, put together a good tape, you know, and the other one that I find that's very different than your time and mine, you correct me because you're, you're scouting these kids. These kids have trainers on top of trainers and it's like, okay, you've got a guy for speed. You've got a guy for footwork. you got a guy here. And then you have me. So you're listening to four adults telling you and constantly correct you. I said, you've got to focus on what I'm telling you because at the end of the day, on Friday night, that's what's going to count. So I think those are some of the hurdles. I, you know, you tell me what you hear because I think that's – to me, that's one of my biggest battles.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's a tough uh... – position for these kids because there are so many distractions uh, because there's the social media and because of all of these things, the, the ability to have a kid focus. I think the successful coaches are the ones that are consistent, that stay and, and that have been there a while, keep their assistant coaches with them so that the players come through a system that is in place. And I know it can't always happen, but if, if I know that that's, the best way and the best place to be as a, as a uh, college player or a high school player is somewhere where there's consistency and, and uh, character and all of those great things that we talk about. But, but having a, a long-standing coaching staff or head coach and all that kind of stuff means a huge, it's just like parents, you know, they, they're there with you your whole life and, and that having that group uh, at the school you're attending is an important thing too. Uh, if they're good, and I should say, if they're good at what they do.
3: Right, and you bring up a good point because I'm at a school where we had a coaching change last year. So we have a new coach. This is the second year with that staff, and it happened abruptly where his job was announced in May. So we didn't have a spring session. You know, We had to meet these kids on the fly. We didn't know them. They didn't know us. So this year should be a better year. But we've got some outstanding players. I've got a couple DBs that are outstanding um, being recruited. We have a running back that, I mean, you I, I told you, you need to come look at him. He can light it up. And so, you know, and talking to them when you go how how do you behave when you go on a recruit trip? You know, you know, yeah, everybody's telling you're great, but when you get on that recruit trip, everybody else there is great humble yourself, pay attention, ask the proper questions. You know, those are the things I try to talk to him. And, you know, and like I said, I've got three guys that'll be recruited in my secondary. And, you know, probably the number one goal in my mind is to coach them up, but find the right time to bring them down. Because they'll get on Twitter, I don't get on Twitter, and they're doing all kind of nonsensical things and showing how many interceptions and brass it, this stuff comes back to haunt you. You know, I'll, yeah, brag, they, they... I'll brag for you. Okay. Don't brag. I'll brag for you. <laughs> yeah.
2: They, 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 should get the college coaches evaluate Twitter too. Right. Oh, and Instagram and everything else.
3: Oh, uh, you probably have a Netflix original then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm still on uh, my So,
3: uh, <laughs> Hey, I just figured hey, out hey. what this meant with the DBs when they're doing <laughs> it. You're locking them. You're locking them down. Locking them down. <laughs>
2: see,
3: see, don't I they see, Just
2: go. say. Just keep keep. Don't step in the bucket, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I appreciate you, Eric, and, and love you, brother. And, and uh, I'm i wrap it up. I, I'll wrap it up with uh, uh, who we are. This is Taylor Scouting. I'm Coach Taylor, and, and we're on the Up on Game Network. LeVar Arrington's Up on Game Network. Uh, follow us. You can follow me on R Taylor FB Scout on Twitter. You can follow uh, Up on Game Network on on any of the social medias. You can uh, get this podcast. Will air at 9 a.m. on Fridays uh, on uh, the Up on Game Presents. And you can, like I said, get the iHeartRadio app or anywhere you get your apps to to follow us and watch us. So really appreciate everything, everybody, for coming by to the Taylor Scouting podcast. And and thank you, Eric Rouse.
3: Thank you, Randy. Good talking to you. Good seeing you. I'll see you somewhere.
4: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.